Of course, in our regular Lord's Day services, we've been studying Luke chapter 24, noting that Christ is indeed in all the Scriptures. He is found emphatically in the Psalter. And yes, very clearly in this particular psalm, this particular portion. Of course, there are many messianic references that are directly quoted in the New Testament. Of course, you have the words of Christ taken by Christ in Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You have the mockery of verse number 8. He trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him. You have the piercing of the Lord's hands and feet in verse number 16. You have the parting of the garments, verse number 18. All of these references clearly referring to the Lord's work upon Calvary. Christ in the law, in Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms, all the things regarding Christ and all the Scriptures. In verse number 22 then, we have a reference, a somewhat unusual reference to the Lord's resurrection. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. You see, who is the afflicted in the 22nd Psalm? You have there the description, verse 24, the affliction of the afflicted. And who is the one that is afflicted? We may say, well, David is a psalm of David. But yes, it goes far beyond David to David's greater son. It is, of course, Christ that's in view as the afflicted in this psalm. And thus, when verse number 24 refers to the cries of the afflicted, it is referring to the cries of the Lord Jesus. Those cries, you look at verse number 18, they part my garments. And then verse 19, be not thy far from me, O Lord, O my strength, haste thee to deliver me, save me from the lion's mouth. Verse number 21, these are the cries of Christ. The cries of the Savior, even from Christ's heart, as he suffers and bleeds for our sins upon the cross. And so in verse number 22, I'm suggesting to you, we have here a reference to the resurrection of Christ. Because part of the Lord hearing Christ's cries is seen in the proof of the resurrection. The Lord hears his cries and delivers him from the lion's mouth. The Lord answers Christ's prayers, and we see the proof of that in part in the resurrection. And so verse number 22 is a reference, I believe, to what happens after Christ's prayers are heard. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. You see, who are the Lord's brethren? Well, I can take you back to the time when, of course, the Lord's mother... excuse me, and brothers stand outside the house. Matthew chapter 12. And the question is asked by the Lord, who are my brethren? The Lord stretches out his hand and he says, Behold, my brother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. The Lord's family marked by those who have the Lord's likeness. The Lord's likeness morally in doing the will of the Father. And so the Lord regards his disciples as doing his will. They are his brethren. And to those brethren, the Lord had a word. The resurrected Lord had a word given to the woman regarding their brethren, where he says to the ladies, be not afraid, go tell my brethren, my brethren, that they go into Galilee. Don't miss the use of that word brethren there. Could have said disciples. 
could have said apostles. But he says, go tell my brethren to go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Christ, according to the language of verse number 22, Christ declaring his name unto the brethren in the midst of the congregation. You see, as we read Luke and studied Luke together, we've read the accounts of the Lord declaring his name to the brethren. The Lord has opened up the doctrine of God. He's declared the name of God by opening up the subject of Christ in all the scriptures. That's what it is to declare the name of God to the brethren. Consider the Lord's words to Ananias regarding Saul. Saul was indeed to be one who would bear his name before the Gentiles. Saul's task was to bear the name of God before the Gentiles. In other words, he was to explain the gospel. The doctrine of God, Christ, and all the scriptures. Christ himself says in the language of John 17, the prayer, I have manifested thy name unto the men that thou givest me out of the world. Again, that particular prayer that often speaks in the prophetic past tense I have done about things that he's still to do and will continue to do, declaring his name among the brethren. And so you see here in this verse, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in light of the context It's clearly dealing with subjects that deal with the resurrection of our Savior, predicted in all the Scriptures. Christ, life, death, burial, and resurrection taught in the Old Testament as it was in the New. And so this verse, number 22, has a particular comfort to us here this morning as we gather around the table. We are meeting as the Lord commanded. We are meeting in the light of the resurrection. We do this, we mark this till he comes. We have the conviction that he is not dead. He's alive, he's returning. We are here as a people who rejoice in the resurrection. And we're gathered as brethren. And Christ comes in the midst by his Spirit. And his name is manifest in the Word and indeed in the elements. We are here in part in the fulfillment, the continued fulfillment of the Psalm 22, verse number 22. We are still those who are enjoying this particular blessing. And so note, first of all, please, or really note primarily, the importance here of the family gathering. And again, the word brethren is used here, and we're seeing that in his post-resurrection appearances, the Lord shows by example the importance of his brethren gathering together. It's a family gathering. The Lord is bringing the brethren together to to instruct them and to teach them in the things of God. Are we Christ's disciples today? Could you say that? Can you stand in this place? Yes, I'm a follower of the Lord. I follow His teaching. I follow His example. I am those who trust in Him as the only Savior of sinners. Are we Christ's disciples today? Are we doing the will of God today? Oh, yes, I know not perfectly, but sincerely, yes. Sincerely, we are seeking to obey the Lord's will. Then, as Christ's disciples and as doers of God's will, we can say that we are his brethren. Brothers and sisters gathering together. And into this family gathering comes Christ. He comes into your midst. Now, I do believe the Psalm 22 has that particular fulfillment in the post-resurrection appearances of Christ But if you turn across briefly to Hebrews chapter 2, you'll see the application goes beyond that first group of disciples. You go across to Hebrews chapter 2. Again, a wonderful gathering of various Old Testament quotations regarding Christ. 
We have there in verse number 8, of course, the reference to, verse number 7, and following reference to Psalm 8, Christ made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. He dies. And then verse 10, For we came him from her all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And then note the quotation, verse number 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Now, of course, the point of the Lord's, or the point of the writer's language regarding Christ here is to emphasize again the glories of Christ, greater than all the various manifestations of God, even the Old Testament. He is, he is the glorified Christ. But he's emphasizing here in verse number 12 the unity between Christ and his people. They who are sanctified, or he that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all of one. The union of Christ and his people. But that union is epitomized in the word brethren. And so to prove that, again, the writer quotes Psalm 22 in the verse number 12 here, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee, the assembly, the congregation. It's emphatically proving that when the church meets, it's a family gathering. And Christ is in the midst. He comes in the midst of the brethren. And the application, I say, in light of the quotation of Hebrews chapter 2, goes beyond the initial time of the post-resurrection appearance to the time of Hebrews. When there were those and they were wrestling with leaving the church, of forsaking the assembling of themselves together, Hebrews chapter 10, and they're reminded again, no, this is a family gathering. And Christ comes in the midst. Don't forsake that to go to a religion where Christ is not present. But be faithful to the church where Christ is present with his brethren. You see, the Lord honors the individual member. He's not ashamed to call you brother or to call you sister. He's not ashamed in that regard at all. We are one in Christ. What confidence the Lord has in the power of redemption that he can call sinners brothers. Oh, he knows exactly how powerful the gospel is in transforming the soul. And he honors the individual brother, and so must we. If we are Christ-like, we must honor the individual brother and sister, those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And of course, also, if we honor the individual, we must honor the collective gathering, the assembling of the saints. And so the church, it is fulfilling the language of Psalm 22, going back to the Psalm 22, you'll see the church fulfilling this. And in this family gathering, we see the church, first of all, as the place of instruction. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. The church is to be the place of instruction. Declaring the name of God, of course, speaks of declaring all that God reveals himself to be. The name of God is beyond his simple name. We don't just stand here and call out God's names. His name is used in the Bible to describe all that he is and all that he's done, every way that he's revealed himself unto men. That is Christ in all the Scriptures. Because how is this fulfilled? Psalm 22, verse number 22, how was it fulfilled in Luke 24? The Lord opens understanding. Moses, Psalms, and the prophets, he shows himself, he shows Christ in all the scriptures. 
That's declaring the name of God. And that must be what happens in the church. What's this church all about? It must be the place where Christ instructs his brethren as the scriptures are opened up. That's why we come here. It must be why we come here. And the church must fulfill this. Praise God. While we see our responsibility, we see Christ's commitment here. That's the hope. If it's left to man to do these things, we'll fall away so quickly. But look what the word says. I will declare thy name. It is the risen and ascended Christ who sends messengers to the church to instruct the church in the things of God. It is Christ who continues this work even now as the word of God is opened in the power of the gospel, the spirit of God poured out, our minds are opened. We understand these things. Christ is fulfilling his promise. He's keeping his words. You know, when we reject Christ, we fall into apostasy. These things don't come. But when we're faithful to the Lord, he will keep his promise. That's the only hope I have of being here in a minister in the years to come. That Christ will keep his promise. And never stands in the pulpit here will minister Christ in all the scriptures. Because Christ says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. You have that hope. You come on the Lord's Day. You say, I, I want a word from Christ today. If your hope is based upon me, you have no hope. I will feel you. I'll let you down if I try to serve in the flesh. The only hope that we'll hear a word from Christ, Lord's Day by Lord's Day, is this promise. Where Christ says, I will declare thy name. And he does it in the word. And so when you pray week by week and you pray day by day and you pray for the minister in this church and other churches, you're pleading this promise. Take it to God in prayer. Say, Lord, you've said you'll do this. Do it for us today. Let us see Christ in all the scriptures every single Lord's day. Well, the place of instruction. But secondly, very briefly, it is the place of united worship. See, how are we to respond to the resurrection of Christ? Well, look what it says in verse number 23. Oh, the Lord, he's present in the midst. Even joining in the corporate praise. That's a mystery. But it says in verse number 23, Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. You see, verse number 24, look closely, leads on from verse 23. Glorify him, praise him, fear him. Verse 24, For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Christ here in verse 24, his prayers are heard. He's been risen indeed from the grave. He's raised the third day. We see that. We know that. How do we respond? We praise him. We glorify him. We fear him. For he is alive. That's the sense of these words. And so how do we respond to the resurrection? In gathered public worship. In united worship as the brethren. Note the terms that are used. Ye that fear the Lord. All ye the seed of Jacob. All ye the seed of Israel. These are terms that denote the unified covenant people of God. God fearers. Not covenant breakers, but covenant keepers. That covenant into which the Gentiles are engrafted. We'll see that this morning. The covenant into which we come by faith in Christ. All of us together are to publicly worship our God. You see, think about it. What's the church about? Well, it's a place. It's a place where we worship the Lord together. Isn't it? 
We come, we gather together to, to, to engage in public worship. What's the Lord's Day? Well, it's the Christian Sabbath. The Sabbath a day for worship, isn't it? That's going back to Genesis. The Sabbath day, a day to sanctify unto the Lord, to worship God. What's the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day? It's the day mark Christ's resurrection. Sabbath day, public worship. Christian Sabbath, marking the resurrection. The church, a place of public worship. You put it all together. What's our duty, our task? It is to worship God on the ground of the resurrection and to worship God because of the resurrection. We serve a living Savior. I'm here to praise Him and to glorify Him and to fear Him today. You see, just very briefly, some observations. This is public. We're to do this together in the midst of the congregation. It is it's not a private thing here. It's public gathering. We share in this worship. You worship and I worship, and we do it together. And in, in, in a very, very, very visible manner, we publicly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, you can do so hypocritically. You can do so from the mouth and not from the heart. But when we come here and worship God from the heart, we are saying to each other, He's my Lord. He's my God. And I trust in Him. I believe in Him. And then the person across the aisle, they're echoing back, Yes, He's mine as well. And we have this sharing of public confession. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're publicly worshiping God. Can you do that in your own home? Yes, you can worship God in your own home. But you can't do this in your own home. You cannot fulfill this obligation in your own home. Now, I understand, and those who are watching on, I understand for those who are shut in and hindered providentially, there are reasons for why providence hinders people from being in the house of God. But providential hindrance does not excuse general absenteeism when it comes from public assembly. This is an obligation to worship God together publicly. Acknowledging, yes, acknowledging those who are duly and properly hindered. So it's public. It's also God-centered. You know what it says here? Praise Him, glorify Him, fear Him. It doesn't need much of exposition. Just again, note that our worship is all about the Lord, not about ourselves. We are here to give glory and honor to our Savior. And thirdly, it must be marked by reverence. Public, God-centered, reverent worship. The terms that are used are, are parallels. So you have the three that are used there. Praise Him, glorify Him, fear Him. They're interchangeable words for worship in different settings. And so in other words, if fear is absent, it is not worship. If there is an overfamiliarity, a casualness in worship, then it is not the worship or the end of God. Oh yes, we're not distant from God. We are near God in Christ. But we must come with a sense of due reverence. Not without joy, rejoice with trembling, but yet with trembling. Oh, you think of the resurrection, what else could you do? The wisdom of God sent His Son into the world to live and die for sinners and to rise again the third day that you might live. How can you not fear God, marveling at the work of God? God sent His Son to die for sin. That makes sin exceedingly sinful and exceedingly serious. 
And so you come to the house of God. You don't want to engage in sin and worship. You want to come with reverence. You want to make sure that your hands are clean, your heart is pure, not because of yourself, but because of what Christ has done for you. It's a, it's a tremendously serious thing to come into the presence of God. This is going to involve fear implied again by the resurrection. Think of the power of God. Have you any power to raise a man from the grave? The almighty power of God brought Christ from the grave exactly as promised, exactly as predicted, in fulfillment of all the prophecies of, of the Old Testament, all of these things coming to pass. Who would not fear him? It's not the language of heaven itself. In Revelation 15, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? That's a wonderful thing to be part of the family of Christ, part of the family assembly, the family gathering. But we are mindful also as we gather, we are here to be instructed and also to worship our God publicly and reverently for the glory and honor of his name. And so it is a somewhat unusual reference to the resurrection. But I think it's appropriate to apply it here today and that by God's grace, we will obey the command of verse number 23 and honor and glorify our God.